HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I am Patrick Martins, host of The Main Course. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Today is July 22nd, 2014. We're in the middle of July Good Beer Month. My buddy, John Lombom's here, sitting in as co-host with me from Be United. John, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Jimmy? Let me tell you about all the cool things that have been going on for July Good Beer Month. Please do. Uh, just for fun, I was in Long Island last weekend at Great South Bay. Had a great time. Our good friend Nico Kremitis made the Nico Weiss. We had a show with him. Been doing some cool things. And uh, that theme song you just heard, uh, it's it's two gentlemen called the Beer Amigos, and and they made that that song for us as our theme song two years ago. And I, I got to meet them, which is pretty cool. It's a great song. That's Good cool. Theme. And I, I what else, what else have I done? I, I visited you guys in uh, in Oxford, Connecticut, and uh, very happy to have you. Jimmy. We had Thanks a great time. Up. We went up. We saw the Be United Warehouse and your new the OEC Brewery. Absolutely. So we've had a lot of good things going on. We've had some great shows at WNYC. We're drinking some great beer from uh, many of our friends across the five boroughs as well. So one of the themes to tonight, and the impetus was um, Aliyah Akam, who is the editor of Edible Queens, and Rachel Warden from uh, Edible Brooklyn. Now she's the editor, too. Um, they said, we want to do a Queens versus Brooklyn show. So that's kind of set in the framework. In a loving way. You guys are awesome. Say hi, everybody. Rachel, Hello. Aliyah. Hi. And, um, and, this, and the, the framework was that every year we ask the, the mayor, or whoever the mayor is, to declare July to be Good Beer Month. And this year, there's been a little bit of suspense because there's a new mayor and things are different. And uh, I think the, the, the kick was that we were doing Queens in Brooklyn, which seems to fit what's going on in the city. Going out the outer boroughs, we spent time in the Rockaways and Astoria and, and, and Carroll Gardens and, and Red Hook. So uh, he gave us a proclamation that basically says, congratulations on your show. And this is a, you know the sixth annual July Goodbeer Month. And tonight, we're going to end up at Crimson, uh, <laughs> Crimson and Vine. It's, what's, what's the bar in Astoria, Aaliyah? Crescent and Vine. Crescent and Vine in Astoria. And someone from the mayor's office is going to give us another proclamation that July is Goodbeer Month. So let's give a toast to the mayor de Blasio. Thanks so much, and uh, really thanks everyone in this room for your support. Heritage Radio Network's been such a big part of uh, supporting our show, 
and we love being on the network. I think the membership drive is still going on. I don't usually do as much of an intro as this, but we've got a full room here. So we've got John Lumbaum, Aliyah hey. Khan from Medical Queens, and Rachel Ward from Middle Brooklyn. Let's start the show. Cheers, guys. Welcome on. Cheers. All right. Yeah. Thanks to our, our sponsor, GreatBrewers.com. So Cheers and congratulations. We're starting out with uh, Aliyah. Give us a little bit what's going on in Queens. So suddenly it seems like Queens has the most breweries in, in New York City, and, and we're trying to vie. Is Queens beer or Brooklyn beer better, or, or should there even be a competition? I don't think it should be a competition. I think the more the merrier, and I just think it's great that there is representation in the outer boroughs. I think for Queens specifically, it's been exciting because the number one reason that people have come out to Queens has always been ethnic food and all these fabulous ethnic food excursions, and now people are broadening their reasons for coming out, and a lot of that has to do with beer. They're excited about these new breweries that have popped up and the um, opportunity to taste them and to actually go to some of the breweries themselves, and that's exciting to have that on our radar now. And have you you've tracked it, all the new breweries in, in, in Queens? I have, yeah. I think there are about seven last time I counted, and um, there were three. There were three that first came on the scene that sort of propelled everything along, and they were Rockaway Brewing Company, um, Rich's Fabulous Bridge and Tunnel, and Single Cut. Those were the three that I think first made waves, and then all these other guys started to follow their lead and realize, like, hey, there's a lot of empty space here. It's cheaper than Brooklyn. We should come on out and maybe set up shop here. All right. That was actually the impetus of this show is that somewhere, this is Rachel from Edible Brooklyn, it's like somehow in the past two years, the conversation went from Brooklyn's craft beer to all of a sudden the Queens was kicking our ass. There were like twice as many breweries opening and it happened really fast and they were all really amazing. I just went to single, I've been both to single cut and been back in the past couple of weeks and they're really beautiful spaces. And I believe the guys from Other Half, a tiny place in Red Hook, will be here later and I'd really like to hear about their experience opening a brewery in Brooklyn recently because, like, as someone who lives there, I don't know how you do it these days. I'm really interested well, in We're going to have a great show. You got a lot of guests coming on, including other half soon. But right now from Queens, we have Rich from Bridge and Tunnel. Rich Castagna, a good buddy, comes to Jimmy's number 43 a lot. We, ha- we have the controversial Tiger Eyes Hazelnut Brown Ale on draft right there now. There you go. Is that what's in our glasses? And what did no, you bring us, Rich? Actually, this one I was, uh, was going to test out on you guys. It's a, uh, a habanero IPA. That's- a little bit hot. I see. Uh, a little bit. I like uh, it. It's I delicious. Like yeah, I'm kind of a freak for uh, spice. Yeah. And um, yeah, I had uh, over Queens Beer Week. I had the Chipotle Porter out, and I had a chance. They put the Chipotle Porter head to head with a Habanero IPA, and I kind of fell in love with that. And I figured I got to do it too. Leah, what, what are some questions? Have you ever sat down and interviewed a Rich before? I haven't. No, this is kind of fun. We've so, seen each other at events, <laughs> but we've never actually had a real conversation. So what, what questions would you, would you want to ask him? Well, you're Queens native, right? Which I think is actually really cool that you're doing this in Queens and you're from Queens, which is sort right. of a rare thing to happen. Right. And I would just love to know, like, how you first fell for brewing. How did you get started? Um, I I had it was kind of in my family for years. I had a cousin that brewed. But I, I didn't have the opportunity to, uh, like, for years it was like I was doing other things. In retrospect, I should have been brewing 20 years ago. But, I like, I've been brewing now for 11 years. Um, but it was more a matter of, you know, right place, right time when I was able to get, a, you know, my own kit and, you know, started brewing. And, uh, but I think I always kind of, I've, I've I had two businesses in the past and, lost them both. They were small businesses trying to operate them as bigger businesses, kind of similar to the model that I'm doing now. And um, 
but one of them was I was, you know, creating a product, putting it out, you know, and it, I fa- and like it kind of calibrated my mind to this idea of you make something, you put it out to the public, you know, you get a reaction, hopefully positive, you know, and once I started brewing, my mind just went right back to that, like, wow, maybe, maybe I could do it again with beer. And the response yeah. has been fabulous. People love your beer. It's been, yeah, it's been pretty good. It's been good. Well, Richie, yeah. I'll tell you, your beers are great. I mean, I see you as like one of the true artisanal producers. I mean, I know you made or modified a lot of your equipment. Yeah, it's You're still making in a, a legal garage, and a lot of guys we know are doing that. Sloop and Pokipski and Blind Bat and, and Long Island. Yeah, yeah. So we, people see you as a, as an art, art artisan person, and it comes through in your beers. So uh, tell us about the. I'm going to bring up the ta- the Tiger Eyes Hazelnut because that's a okay. controversial beer that you make. Yeah, you put nuts in it. Yeah, so, yeah. This hazelnut in the is that put, the controversy? Well, it's, <laughs> What's the controversy? It's, it's, actually, one time I served I served it to someone, and just as I told said hazelnut, she said I'm allergic to nuts. So, but yeah, but yeah, this I use hazelnut in the boil and in secondary, but that it's not the only it's not the only aspect that that adds to that flavor profile. You know, um, it it's it's a purposefully malty beer um i use uh ringwood ale yeast which also gives a whole flavor profile in itself and just kind of all contributes to that final product awesome and uh oh just coming in now we've got um matt monahan and sam richardson from uh other half hey guys uh, who are here welcome thanks john and uh they're here uh, representing brooklyn with uh, Rachel, so this is a fun show. We got we got Queens people, Brooklyn people, and and, and a guy from Germany is going to come in soon too from the airport. So, what did you guys bring? Because I got this habanero IPA from Rich. It's it's like it's pretty intense. We thought we would surprise everybody and bring uh, hoppy beers. So, <laughs> um, we brought a session pale ale called Super Fun. It's a tribute to our local waterway. Uh, we also have a session IPA. We have hop showers and we have green diamonds with us. Nice. So Ra- Rachel, Rachel wants to ask you some questions. Actually, I, I, I'm like, I'm also, I tried to interview you guys for the Daily News a couple of months ago, but you weren't there the day I was in the neighborhood. I don't remember this. So I'm actually, I don't know anything. Of, I don't know anything about your history or how you started. But if you could just give us the two sentence version of that, that would be awesome. The Daily News gave you one day to find an interview. Um, I'll, I'll no. give. I'll, this is Sam, and I'll, I'll give my quick backstory. So I'm, I'm actually from Portland, Oregon originally, and I've been out here for seven years. When I was in Oregon, actually I went to Oregon State University, got a degree in fermentation science there, and then um, was working for Brewpub Chain in Seattle, worked for Pyramid for about three years, and then I was out here on vacation, and there was a job posting for head brewer at Greenpoint Beer Works, so I applied for that job, and here, seven years later, I am now finally opening my own brewery with uh, my partner Matt here who's got a slightly different backstory. I'll let him tell. Hey Matt. Hey. <clears throat> How you doing? This is Matt. Um, I'm glad you guys made it out. I know you guys were going to be late but thanks for making it to we're the late. show. We're pretty much late to everything. Um, That's the Brooklyn way. It is. It's not our fault though. Um, yeah, no, I started out as a chef and then uh, eventually I have two kids so it's better hours. Well, I thought it would be better hours at owning your own business that's not true at all so um but i i just i was a home brewer and uh i, I wanted to brew because i worked for a chef who brewed and and uh i pretty much have to learn how to do everything and so that's 
basically yeah. how I got into it. Started working for Sam. So from, from Brooklyn to Queens. So, so Rachel was saying that at, at one time it seemed like everything was in Brooklyn. Craft foods, craft beer. But now there's so many new breweries in Queens. Is it just that things are cheaper in Queens? Is, is there, are there more far-flung neighborhoods? I mean, that's the real issue, isn't it? Is, is, is finding a space that you can actually afford to open a brewery in? You just, how long have you guys been open, other half? Well, we've been making beer uh, since January 31st out of our space. But we've had this space for since August of 2012. Was it hard to find? Or We were originally going to be in Red Hook. Uh, that space fell through. Um, and we were scrambling. We found this space on Craigslist through a residential real estate broker. Wow. Who showed up on his bike, and it was just one of his listings. It could have been one of 15 people that showed up. We took one look at it, took one look at the price, and signed a lease. So that's Brooklyn, a real estate guy on his bicycle. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we got really <laughs> lucky with where we are. I mean, we're two blocks from a subway, four stops out of Manhattan. I mean, it's. What was the space before? It was a warehouse. A warehouse. Yeah. And you're you're on, you're in a cool you're like kind of on the other side of, of you're on the other side of the BQE overpass, right? No, you, we're actually on in the Carroll Garden side. Oh, so okay. the other side is Red Hook and then to the to the to the uh, east of us is uh, Gowanus. Okay. So we're kind of at the tip of the Carroll Gardens right, triangle. Or all of the but did you guys want to be in Brooklyn? Was that the point? We Would absolutely gone, wanted to be in you Brooklyn. You wouldn't have gone to Queens. I mean we both lived in Brooklyn at the time and where do you you live know, now? worked in Brooklyn, and you know, wanted to be in Brooklyn. All right. you I'm. I'm your bike to work? <laughs> <laughs> hey, John Taggart, our, our famous photographer. I do hey, indeed hey, ride my bike to work. Do they? And, and one more question: What's the ABV on your session IPA? Uh, well, so right now we're drinking session pale, which is four point two. The session IPA, which we're calling small green everything, is five percent. Right. No, this is you're drinking the pale right now. Okay. It's four point two. And that, John, what was your question? My question is uh, just yeah, perhaps less important, but I'm just curious about the name of the brewery. Where did that come from? Where do you guys? Oh, it's uh, it's just a reference to the industry in general um, and our position in it, which is we feel like we're like the small guys up against the big guys and it's also a new york reference thank it's you really the <laughs> other half well it's again it goes How back the other half it goes, lives, yeah or? it goes back to like the whole the small guys versus the big guys kind of thing and and you know we're just we're trying to make our what we think is special beers and and we're not you know we're not i'm not saying we're never going to try to grow our let brewery, me flip but. this one okay because it's, it's, it's queens and brooklyn I want you guys from Brooklyn to tell me some of the beers in Queens that you like, and, and then you guys from Queens will tell us some of the Brooklyn beers that you like. So, Sam and Matt, what are some uh, Queens beers that you like? I've been, I've been really digging on the, uh, the transmitter stuff. Um, you know, I've had the S3 and the S4 from them um, that have been really solid uh, for, you know, that right out of the gate, pretty, pretty impressed with those beers. Ali, have you had transmitter? I have, yeah. I think it's really cool because they're doing all these funky things with these yeasts. So it's like not conventional stuff that we're seeing. It's pretty cool. And what about for you, Sam? Uh, any other Queens beers that you really like? Um, I, I have to admit that I'm, I'm a little terrible. I don't get out very often. <laughs> so there's a lot of beers I've not had. Um, the only things I've had really recently were, again, the transmitter stuff because they sent us some beers over one day. Yeah. But, uh, and I thought those were nice. Um I've had some stuff from from Rich before, like the he had, had a like a I think it might have been a habanero or a chipotle porter or something that I thought was really nice. Well, I'll tell you that habanero IPA is it's still kind of burning my mouth. 
Yes. I should have held it to the end. I apologize. No, no, you did good. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you've been willing to experiment, too. So what's the, the other thing that's different is that, I, I don't know, there's so much going on here, so we've we got a lot to talk about. And I have to say, there's, there's a jam-packed room here, and um, I want to say let's, let's raise our glasses because we've got beers in Brooklyn, we've got beers in Queens, oh, and that. thanks to the mayor for uh, recognizing that and everything. But, um, you know, John, you got to talk on the microphone. Come Rachel on. brought a beer, too. Have, we have, there's like, I think there's like at least seven more bottles of beer to open in the oh, room. Which one did you bring, though? <laughs> which one this did you is bring? A, we have walk-in guests here. John and Rachel, you know, they go out, too, so they can they can talk. I brought a beer from Kelso. I brought a we, are, are we ready to taste it? I don't have Let's go for it. Well, no, we're we're going to take a short break. But let, let's, take, let's get that beer out. Okay. We'll take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes to talk more on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. All right, guys. Summer dress. I'll kid, she doesn't need your help. She studied art in Spain. Tall boys across her brain. It's tall boys, men, they'll do anything. They sat her in the shade. So you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit GreatBrewers.com today. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We have a great lineup here. There's a lot of chatty people. we got Queens people, Brooklyn people, brewers, journalists, and everybody. So... Uh, we're celebrating. Hey, it's July Goober Month. We've got a great proclamation from, from the mayor in New York City. We're going to go over to uh, Crescent and Vine tonight in the store to receive a proclamation and talk more about Queens and Brooklyn and the great diversity. And so much has changed in New York City beer in the last couple of years. And, and I know, Rachel, when you first started, you know, you worked for different magazines and periodicals. I mean, it's it's amazing, right? Yes, it's totally yeah. amazing. You told me you have 17,000 I wouldn't jobs be surprised by anything now. I mean, if someone told me they were brewing out of a shoebox in the back of a Staten Island, you know, whatever, I would believe any of it at this point. I fully, ex- I, w- I hope and expect that there are more breweries from Staten Island and the Bronx that appear in the next couple of years. And I hope that people start doing more gypsy brewing, sharing. Maybe there'll be a little mini brewery popping up in the Pfizer building. I'm looking for it in Brooklyn, which is a shared space. I had actually looked at that sp- over there at that the Pfizer building. You did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The temperature was a little too hot in there, though. Oh, really? Yeah, but it's real, like, sanitary. It's kind of a trip. Oh, so d- yeah. I mean, the whole building is a little too hot. It is actually kind of hot because there's no air conditioning left in it at this point, I guess. Yeah. But you, same for you guys. Did you guys look at a lot of different spaces before you opened? We, I probably looked at, I would say we looked at maybe 25 spaces. 
before we found our Craigslist location. Like what were some? I mean, we were like, out. Let's in, say the we were out, we were out here Open in Bushwick in, in Brooklyn and Queens. We were out here in Bushwick. We were looking in the Gowanus area, but nobody wants to give more than a five-year lease down there because of the, all the development going on. So you couldn't lock in any sort of reasonable, you know, length oh my, of time. I hadn't even thought you about that. That you're renting business based on five years. So yeah. you know, especially if the landlord can double or triple your rent. So we had to find someone who was out of touch enough to rent us something for ten years. So we did. So even then, you'd feel like you're a disadvantage. I mean. Ten years goes by fast. Yeah, I mean, even where we are now, our, our landlord, you know, we can't. If we have, if we wanted to extend our lease, it's going to be five years at a time, if that. Because yeah, we know our friend at Blind Bat, he out there in Long Island, he's thinking long term. So he he was going to sign a lease, but the owner wouldn't give him a right of first refusal, which meant that he could be out too. That was part of what we we have a right of first refusal. So that was a big that was a big deal. But that's the biggest I think impediment to opening in in either Queensbrook anywhere in New York City is. Real estate is Richie. How about you? I mean, I, I know you're you're in your your garage, so you're set. Yeah, but I'm not. But the yeah, next I'm not. Step. I'm not happy at all in the garage. <laughs> I mean, I've had like initially it was fun, but you don't get sent to the garage when you're bad. What's it? You don't. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I yeah, I'll, I'll retreat or to you, the garage. It's your That's workshop, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's my, your workshop. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, I had a tough time this past year in there. I think remember I came in a couple of times. I was I got hurt. I had pneumonia. And it, it always comes back to, like, it's that goddamn garage. You know what I mean? It's too small, and it's just ergonomically incorrect. Everything is too tight. So, and what I mean, about in the winter? Does it get really cold? Oh, yeah. When we had that cold spell, it was insane. I, I, had a, I, I took a back injury right in during, that, during that deep freeze, and um, I rolled out of that. And then, uh, like, a week later, and I think it was from the inflammation in my back, but, like, I went to a chiropractor. The chiropractor was like, this should have been an injury that would have been, like, two months. And I was like, well, I, I, I got to keep working. But a week after that, I ended up with pneumonia. And it was just like, I know because I'm not, you know, like, I'm not working properly, you know. But I've been I've been looking, too. And it's for me, it's it feels like more out of necessity and, like, not just necessity, but, like, almost like survival, you know. Because it, there's no space in my space to have other people come in to help me either. So it's a pretty heavy lift as one guy you know, so I'm looking to get out, without a doubt. And what do you guys think? I mean, Matt, you guys are pretty happy where you are now, but you looked at a lot of locations. I mean, our our space is amazing. We're two blocks from a subway, and we're like Matt said earlier, we're four we're four stops out of Manhattan. We're near an F and a G, so we got train access from both Brooklyn and Queen and and Manhattan. And we have about four thousand square feet too, so we can grow in the space that we have now without even getting into the stuff we have refusal, right of first refusal on. You know, the, the breweries, I, I got to visit a lot of breweries the last couple of months. I went out to uh, Finback and Glendale. Uh, I, I was at Rich's Bridge and Tunnel last year in Maspeth. I was in uh, Gun Hill in North Bronx, and I've been to Single Cut in Astoria. And it seems like all of them, those that I've been to, the formula is you're, you're at the end of some subway, and then you have to walk, like, a long way. And it seems like that's where they get the warehouses. I mean... Do you think that's the case, Aaliyah, in, in, in Queens and in particular? I mean, is that why there's so many? I feel like there's so many breweries in Queens because there's so many neighborhoods. It's a big it's a big borough, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. I think so many New Yorkers tend to, when you say Queens, they just think of Astoria and Long Island City because that's where there's all the stuff happening and they're really close to Manhattan and Brooklyn. But I think Finback is a really good example of, you know, delving into a deeper neighborhood because Glendale is not a neighborhood most people talk about. There isn't 
There isn't a hot restaurant. It's not very close to a subway. It's very residential. It was most well known for like the site of Archie Bunger's house. That's what it was known for. And then these guys from Finback, you know, they lived in Brooklyn. They really wanted to be in Brooklyn. And Who's were- Archie Bunker? <laughs> oh, come on, Jimmy. You're a Queens girl. Come on. <laughs> the one I know, man. I mean, come on. Everyone knows Archie Bunker. No, I'm teasing. Um... I didn't. I, I know the people that grew up there too. I mean, Glenn. But these are all the neighborhoods, yeah, that nobody goes it's to. It's very residential. There is a big German and Italian contingent there, and it, it, it's it's lovely to go to. But it's just you wouldn't really need to go there unless you were visiting a friend or a family member. And they found this really cool space, and they reluctantly wanted to set up shop in Queens. They really wanted to be in Brooklyn, but now they're so popular and they're really liking it, and they're thinking of moving to Queens. And it's just interesting how you sort of adapt to your neighborhood and that space. You know, uh, this is John from Be United again. Uh, sort of a, a game I like to play with when I take brewmasters out to Long Island is guess when we leave New York City. I mean, on, <laughs> if you're driving out on the Long Island Expressway, you, you're an hour before you're outside of Queens. It's such a huge geographic space and such an ethnically and culturally diverse space. It's, it's really remarkable, and it's really great to see um, the way the community really embraces um, all the different things that are going on there. That's the thing. I think so much of it is residential that it gets it gets lost. People don't really know what the what the boundaries are, what neighborhood is what, and so much of it could be like if you're up in you know like near Bayside, then it's, you're so close to Long Island. What is that boundary? So it's it's interesting. I think Queens is just a lot. It's a lot more vast than people think. Well, you know the funny thing is everyone says that you need space for a brewery, but Rich is doing it in a garage. And I was in Great South Bay in Long Island on Saturday. And it's like the size of a football field. And they're like, we have so much room. We just, like, don't know how to keep it organized, you know? I mean, you guys, do you think you have the, the perfect size for a brewery at other half? I mean, we have the perfect size right now. If we continue to if we grow, we haven't really been growing yet. But uh, if, we, if we grow, we're going to need more and more space. Um, but, I mean, I think this goes back to the whole important aspect of the discussion about all the new breweries in New York City is that, that sure, there's a lot of new breweries, but most of them are really tiny and they're operating in small spaces. And, you know, that's real estate is really hindering the growth of breweries in, in New York city. So, I mean, in order for us to be a a really great beer city, we need to be able to have breweries that can, I mean, most of the breweries can't provide enough beer for even one of the boroughs. You know, if all the breweries in New York city, other than take Brooklyn out of the equation, we're, we're making beer and trying to serve just one borough, I don't think they could do it. So uh, I, th- I think there needs to be a, a solution. And, you know, like in Finback's case, their solution was to be farther out, and they were able to get the space that they will probably eventually need. You know, I was going to add to that. I think the zoning regs here in New York City are horrendous as well. I think that's – I've seen a lot of warehouses that would have been great, and there were areas that at one time, you know – permitted manufacturing and then they changed it over to residential and you know like former knitting mills and like really great spaces and i mean i'm sure you guys saw it too you know like the the zoning i i had i was in one space that uh i actually did move into a space last year and then had to get out and but it got it got uh like i got very familiar with the the zoning regs and there's this one section in the zoning regs. It's uh, Article Two, Section Four, that um, has there's a there's a, a number of restrictions that M1 and M2 zoning has on most M1 and M2 
um, zoned properties have this line on it. All uses permitted except those that are in Article 2, Section 4, which was written almost 100 years ago. So it's like the industry has changed. You know, it's not dirty anymore. You know, like they got to they got to rewrite that stuff. Yeah, which is what I was going to say. Like before 2008, it was pretty easy to kind of like get a business, you know, and then now now it's ridiculous. You yeah. you can get around that zoning now. Um, we had to do the same thing. We're in an M1 zone. You have to meet what's called performance standards, which is right. noise, um, smell, vibration, um, all of which you just have to basically state that you're going to stay within boundaries that are permissible, which the city, we're not even sure they have the ability to measure. So, um, you know, you can get the variance. We, we just got our CFO today after putting in for our first permits in October of 2012. So that's how long it's taken us to actually get. We have a temporary CFO, but to actually get legally have people you know in the building and that now we don't have to deal with the dob anymore but that was huge i mean we had a fully constructed brewery and it was sitting there for seven eight months because we couldn't get a gas meter in and anybody that legally wants to build a brewery has to deal with all of this i mean it took it it takes forever we went to the borough president's office for assistance um you know the we've we've had help from all over the place just to get stuff pushed through i mean we waited three weeks just this last three weeks for someone to enter into the computer that we had passed all our electrical. I'll say there's, there's no brewery that I can think of currently operating that's in anything but an M1. In fact, I think there's even one in a residential zone other than, other than some of the so really saying, small like, so, guys. So the state, New York State, has streamlined the application process, right? The, you get getting a your brewery license is easy, right? That's easy. It's, yeah. it's SLA is fine. SLA is fine. The feds are, are, are easy. It's the, it's, the, it's the Department of Buildings. It's, it's zoning. It, it's the regulation. It's you know, all the plumbing, all the electrical, all the inspections that you have to pull is that they don't care. Yeah, you know, I was um, on that note. I had a space recently that I just lost, and it was like a month and a half of heartbreak. And the reason was everything was lining up. And where was it? Which uh, which neighborhood? I prefer not to say, but it was very close to Maspeth. So in Queens, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was M1 zoning, um, and uh, everything was lining up. You know, and uh, what it came down to was was going to have to go through a variance. I was willing to wait, but then it turned out the building didn't have a certificate of occupancy, and apparently there's like a there's Department of Buildings will allow for a, uh, a, a pre-approval if you're going to, you know, like if you're going to get into like a purchase of something. And this thing was going to be like a total reconstruction, but I was willing to do it. And, uh, and it was going to be a small space. But, you know, anyway, wh- how, it, how it turned out, they didn't have a certificate of occupancy. It was going to take three, four. They couldn't tell how many months it would have been to get any kind of feedback from DOB. And the sellers basically said, we don't want to wait showed it to other people on the side before I knew it the pl- the space was gone this is a this is not an uncommon problem the dob is the main deterrent for people opening breweries within the five boroughs period right well okay. it's good we're, we're doing our, our new york city july Gubernium month show tonight and we're talking about boroughs and uh, hopefully some people will listen one last thing what was the last beer that that was poured for me was that from other half or was that I hope so. Oh, so rachel you you made a special trip out 
Well, you said that we had to bring a beer, right? So what did you bring me? Since I'm not a brewer, so I can barely talk about it since I just picked it up and brought it here. But I thought to represent Brooklyn, I literally walk by Kelso Brewery on Waverly and Clinton Hill on my way to the G train to come here. So I got a rhubarb goza from them. Straight from the may, may I have some? <laughs> yes, you can yeah. have some. I don't know where it went. It's over there somewhere. Somewhere over there. Okay, but so my but to me, you know, if I don't I don't have to tell Kelso's on this show tell almost every week. Rachel. No, no, no. But the brewery itself is on a side street in between Atlantic Avenue and Fulton Street, and it's next door to an Orthodox Jewish challah bakery. And I feel like it just doesn't get much more Brooklyn than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers to Brooklyn. Yeah. All right, and then Aaliyah. So let's tell us what you think is is. Something that's very Queens about some of the breweries you know of. I mean, because we got holla, we got a holla breaker. It's actually both old and new Brooklyn because it's made with rhubarb, which I'm assuming was locally procured, and and it's a goza, which is an interesting style of beer that most people don't know. So you basically got everything, everything there is to say about new, new beer right here in this glass. I think that what makes it distinctly Queens are two things. Um, one of them, I would say, is that we're seeing them pop up in. Like I was saying before, like these residential neighborhoods and also industrial settings, too, which I think industrial settings have always been a big part of Queens. Like, I think warehouses have just been landmarks of Queens. That's one thing. But I think more importantly, it's sort of testament to this new side of Queens that we're seeing, this hipster vibe, if you will. I think that that sort of is, you know, it's it's in tandem with the new restaurants and new bars we're seeing where there's a younger, more modern aesthetic going on. So I Astoria think is pretty cool, right? I mean, it's Queens Kickshaw, really cool. Crescent and Vine. Where do you guys sell? I know you guys are in Brooklyn, Sam and Matt, but you guys also sell it to someplace in Queens, right? Yeah, I mean, we're, we've sold beer to the Kickshaw, Sunswicks, Astoria Beer and Cheese, Crescent and Vine. Um, you know, we've done events. We did the Queens uh, Five Borough Beer Fest up there. I mean, it's, uh, every time we're up there, there's, you know, something new going on. I know that the... There's a couple of Manhattan bar owners opening places out in Queens because they know that, uh, you know, Queens is I know is doing a, lo- a lot of our listeners are from around the country. When they come to New York, they want to know where to go. And on Thursday, we're going to ride with you and visit some of your Brooklyn You are going to squeeze in the front bench of the van. And I'm looking forward to it. But nice, what, sweaty what are a together. few of the Brooklyn places that we're going to go to? Because we're talking about Brooklyn bars, too, in Queens. You know, bars. one of our favorite bars we're going to go visit is uh, the Double Windsor um, in Windsor Terrace. Um, and they are... Probably our, our most favorite account. Um, they buy more beer from us than anybody, but it's just a really cool vibe. It's right near the park. You know, it's a great uh, pregame spot for uh, Prospect Park concerts, and there's just people there drinking seven days a week um, all the time. So, it, you know, it's a, we love it. All right. Wait, I also I know we're not supposed to talk about Manhattan at all, but I feel you guys are served on, like, the coolest thing happening this summer, right? The Grand Bank Schooner. We are in the Grand Bank Schooner, yes. Yes, which is Um, awesome. Which is super cool. It's a 150-foot schooner that's docked on Pier 25 in Manhattan. Um, Really cool concept. It's it's totally, you know, if its sun is out, they're open. Um, And if it's raining, they're not. But, you know, we're we're really excited to be there. And, uh, you know, that's if you want to drink beers and eat oysters. All right. So we're drinking what? The Kelso Rhubarb Goza, Rachel? Go, yes. And we have before, we correct. have the other half. What did you have this? Super fun. Super, super what? Super fun. Super fun. Before that, Rich, what did we have from you? The Habanero IPA. That was great. From Bridge and Tom. Uh-huh. All right. So you guys, all right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thank you.
Hey, hey, welcome back. Well, hey, we've got a great fun crew here. Welcome back to Beer Assassins Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's July 22nd, 2014. We're celebrating. We've got another uh, mayor's proclamation that July is Good Beer Month. So thanks to the mayor. We've got representatives from Queens, Brooklyn, and just off the plane, we've got Matthias Richter from Germany. He's from the Bayerischer Bahnhof, which uh, is a little backstory to that. John Lumbaum, why don't you tell us the backstory? Because we're talking about real estate and how hard it is to open a brewery in Brooklyn or Queens, but what about opening a brewery in post-communist East Germany, John? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Matthias can tell you a bit more, but um, essentially you know, the great historic Goza style of beer that was very popular in Leipzig, um, especially during the 19th century, was completely eradicated um, under communist rule. Um, and after the fall of communism, um, a few other people got the ball rolling very slightly. But Matthias's boss was um, essentially the man who brought back Goza to Leipzig and opened up Bayerischer Bahnhof in 2000. And Matthias is the brewmaster. He is the man um, responsible for making Goza style. And m- many of you, like just recently in the New York Times, there was a great article about sour beers. But they talked about the Berliner Weiss style. And not too many people are familiar with the Goza. Do you want to tell us a little about the Goza style, Matthias? Because I love it. Yeah, the Goza style is one of the oldest German beer types. It is uh, more than 1,000 years old. comes originally from Goslar. It's a town in the Harz Mountains. And it uh, comes to uh, Leipzig, and, and Leipzig uh, becomes very popular. And for a long time, Goza is brewed and uh, drunk uh, in the area of Leipzig. And I appreciate you came on. We're not going to be able to talk to you as much as, much as we had hoped because we're talking so much about Queens and Brooklyn and things. And you're doing a great job listening because I'm, I'm talking really fast to you. But would you tell us a couple of the other historical styles that you make? Because there's, there's so many great beers that you're making and, and, and that Be United selling in the States. Oh, since any years, we made also uh, Berliner Weisse because uh, this style is a very typical German style but uh, only brewed from one uh, brewery in Berlin. And so we tried to brew it. Um, uh, we made a lot of experiments with, with the beer type. We changed any uh, 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 malts. Uh, in the last years, I brewed uh, with uh, buckwheat or with rye or with, with We had the buckwheat. Or, it was really yeah. great, yeah. And also with potato. You have some other styles. I mean, many of our listeners have heard of Goza because I know there's a lot of home brewers listening, and I'm sure the brewers in the room know what a Goza is. I love it. It's salty. It's coriander. But you have these other styles I've never heard of. Schaffner, Kuppler, Heitzer. Oh, this, is, this is all typical German beer. Schaffner is our Pilsner beer. Uh, Heitzer is a German Schwarz beer. And what is it? Kuppler. Kuppler is a uh, wheat beer. You know, but, uh but also, in addition to the traditional historic styles you make, in addition to the beers you make for your gastropub, uh, at, at the risk of you know, embarrassing you, you're one of the most progressive brewmasters in Germany. You're making, you're one of the few brewmasters in Germany working with Brettanomyces. You're one of the few, few brewers in Germany making very experimental, wild, barrel-aged beers. Could you speak more about the beers that you make for export that are so progressive? Oh, I'm interested in trying other uh, uh, beer types, and so I, I try to brew this. Uh, we uh, had uh, made an uh, Goze buck. It's uh, double so strange as uh, the normal Goze, and this we uh, storage uh, for, I think, 12, 12 months in uh, tequila barrels, because I think it matched very good. We started tequila. to make beer like Americans. Sam and Matt, we what, try it. We did, let's uh, try this. 
The beer you just poured for us before we got to his. The all green everything? That's actually the small green everything. Small? Yeah, okay. This is a 5% session IPA, uh, which, I mean, it's a lot of Atanum and Amarillo. Small and green everything. Yeah. So how, what, what, how do you feel meeting a guy who's making out a, a historical German brewery, well, unique this, styles? This is a brewery I love. I mean, and along with, there's there's a handful, you know, these guys... Uh, Freigeist, um, and there's and there's a handful of really great breweries in Italy. Like these are to me, these are countries that either didn't have a brewing tradition or had one that was really rigid. And now there's a, a bunch of really amazing breweries popping up in these countries, and uh, really really appreciate the beers they're making. Yeah, the the short version of it is that worldwide we're seeing something very similar to what we're seeing in New York with many, many, many small breweries opening up. And when I talk to the people, especially in London, about it, I mean, London five years ago had maybe five breweries. Now they have closer to 50 or 60. Um, People say it's not so much that we're opening new breweries. We're just catching up to where we should be. I see, like, New York City should have more than one brewery. And the fact that now we're up to, what, 25 or something like that is good, but for our population should be a lot better. Yeah, we'll be catching up for the next yeah. 10, yeah, I mean, 15 years. It's yeah. going to take that's, a while. That's, I mean, go, just even the, even the premise of the show, Brooklyn versus Queens, is kind of, um, it's, it's kind of not to, not to put it down, but it's a little the silly. The versus takes we, away. <laughs> because, because really what it needs to be about is just growing the scene here in general. And, and it's actually Brooklyn, Queens, and Germany. <laughs> with a verse, with a verses in between each, yeah. Um, um, well, but Germany is actually a very different situation. Um, there are very few brewmasters in the in the same league as Matthias Trum, where he's really embracing international beer styles and experimentation. There is a growing um, uh, scene of sort of premium brewers or premium brands, uh, which we've tasted a lot of um, and aren't seeing the kind of earth-shattering advances that we're seeing from, say, Italy, you know, a country that had no brewing tradition and just coming from slow food and coming from their culture has really created something unheard of on the planet. Now, now, talking about what Mateus is doing, the Goza style, it's kind of hot. In Chicago, there's um, local option makes great Goza. Westbrook in South Carolina makes a Goza. Have you, have you seen anyone in New York City making a Goza style? Barry's, Barry's doing a go, the Gozilla. Um, oh, I've had that, the Gozilla, yeah. yeah. We were drinking that. We did an event with them in Peekskill uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and they're, uh, they're, doing, they're doing one. I was drinking a bunch of that. Is it, sure. is it a hard style to make? I mean, why don't you guys join in? Because this, this is amazing. i got four great brewers in one room. This is pretty cool. I think it's a hard, I think any, it's a hard style to make right. Well, Matthias, talk about making Goza. Talk about what the style of Goza involves. How <laughs> no, for me, it's easy. Uh, Goza brewing. Uh, Goza is a sour beer. I have more uh, than one possibility to to get the beer sour. We made a sour word and a special uh, fermenter, but you can also, the original way was uh, uh, fermenting with lactic acid bacteria and uh, with yeast. Important is for Goza brewing, you uh, must use coriander and a little bit salt. And now you've said historically Goza would be a bit different than it is today. Oh, I think so. Uh, I think that uh, at the first uh, Goza was no salt added because salt was too expensive for brewing. Uh, I think it came later. Okay. Rich, have you ever made a Goza before or any other sour type? Of no, I, never, I haven't made anything 
I haven't made any sour beers yet, um, or a Goza beer, but actually one style that I'm kind of interested in is, is a, a Stein beer, which I understand is a traditional yeah. German style. Yeah, more out of the South. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, basically using hot rocks. I'm curious about that. I figure, like, maybe the one opportunity I have while I have the small system, maybe try to do a hot rock beer. But uh, have you guys ever done that? No. No. Different, I, I actually, traditions. Right? I actually work with a brewery out of Austria that um, makes a, they call it their granite bock, but very much of the Steinbier tradition. It's, well, uh, Sam it's and Matt, awesome. What's a, is there a traditional style that you, you would like to make that you haven't made yet? I know you guys made Lambic, which is like a, a Lambic. Well, actually, that was just a straight Brett fermentation. Um, so not not quite a Lambic. Because um, it actually wasn't even sour. It was just a funk bomb. Uh, that's a really good question. I don't know if we've ever really talked about it. We you're can't, just, you're we just live, hopping we, out. Like, hop, every day, we're, hop every day by day. Well, no, we actually, I mean. We have we no schedule. We have no, like, <laughs> we just, like, sit around. We're like, what should we make? Yeah, we don't really have a plan. And then, except our, our kind of general direction, which is to make hoppy beers and then farmhouse styles. And then we do a lot of barrel aging. And we'll, we'll be progressing into more and more sours as we free up more and more barrels from their first you guys, Are you guys ready to expand? I mean, talking about being in Brooklyn, new breweries in Brooklyn and Queens. I think I think most of the argument. I mean, we're any brewery just because you're in New York City. If you can manage to get open and your product is good, you you can sell beer. Um, it's kind of just responsibly managing that growth. And then I just want to um, jump in with I'm sorry with Bayer Shabanov. We got a, a special guest came in from Germany, so he's in our our, our Brooklyn, Queens, and Germany show now. Um, you know, you guys had basically been in a historic railway station, and it was destroyed in World War. Two and, and and the communists, you know, kept it under. But you guys revived the style. So I would the best place to go is what Be United website. Yeah, if you want to know more, I think you know. Aside from googling Berisher Banhoff, uh, BeUnitedInt.com, the site for Be United. Because really, like States. I mean, Eric Asma was talking about. We love Peekskill, Simple Sour, and Berliner Weiss styles, but really, you, you got to go back to the source. You got to go to Leipzig. You got to go Goza. You guys are making buckwheat Berliner Weisses. Really, if you want to make sour beers, you really should hang out more with Bayerisch Bahnhof. And we're going to have you back on another time, Matthias. Thanks, thanks so much for coming on because you're awesome. And I know I'm speaking too fast for you. You do a great job with English. But I want I want to catch up with, with Aaliyah from Queens and Rachel from Brooklyn. Why don't you guys just wrap it up? Just give us your your few comments about the state of beer in Queens and the state of beer in Brooklyn before we wrap it up. Um, I think well, obviously, it's, it's it's amazing what's happening. And I, as a consumer, it's very exciting to see small businesses quirky doing their own thing but like these guys from other half and you were talking from queens were talking about for there to be sustained growth in beer in any food or beverage production of any kind in new york city they got to figure out what to do with what how to they got to rethink zoning real estate yeah, we, we know that broken production brewery, I mean, may have left new york city but it was a few years ago i think it had to do with the crash that they were able to stay and expand it and and expand their brewery in Brooklyn, right? Right. I mean, I, and I, the city's struggling with it because we haven't been a center of production for, for real production in a long time. And the idea that someone would start producing something here, you know, but it's starting to change. And I look, I, it's actually exciting to me as a, as a reporter to see the way business, businesses and infrastructure is slowly growing. So that I'm excited about that. Yeah, say that craft breweries are actually great job producers, too. 
You know, you may have heard that. Now, Leah, what about Queens? I agree with Rachel. I also just like to say that, you know, Queens just has such a rich beer garden history, and it's really awesome to see that juxtaposition with the craft breweries now. And I also just think it's great, like I mentioned before, that ethnic food has always been such a huge draw, and it's great that people are talking about Queens, you know, beyond fabulous Thai food. It's just it's a new layer. It's a new dimension for people to come out and visit us and explore so i'm excited about i can't that. even so i just to that point so that, that there's for the past maybe i don't know if anyone who listens well, to you this don't eat thai food anymore? no 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 <laughs> i don't know if anyone who listens to this reads eater but for the past couple maybe t- how many years has eater had a, a queen's heat map two years two maybe? like not very not long. Even that long this is probably all gobbledygook to half of your listeners but for the past couple of times i've been like what i don't know any of these places i've only been to one of these so that to me sums up what's happening in queens right now well first rich, rich did you bring one more beer because we want to get, we, we had your habanero IPA that blew us away. We're not going to really judge Queens versus Brooklyn, but I couldn't taste anything. That was for a never while. the point of this. Was it? I really apologize. No. I thought I should have saved that to the end. It wasn't Queens versus Brooklyn. No, it was to celebrate no. all of the beautiful beer in all five boroughs of New York City. So what's the last beer? All right, Richie? last beer. I have a coffee cream ale. You know, this was the one that I did for uh, Queens Kickshaw. Yeah, twenty spot and a switchblade. But it tastes really. It tastes more like what? Like milk and not, sugar, right? Not well. It's uh, I used. Um, Matt's laughing. We got hops here. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, every all my beers have stories to them, and that was uh, that was actually the name that Ben, the owner of Queens Kickshaw, came up with. And it's the story of when he was a kid growing up in Long Island City. It was a horrible, you know, existence for him and his dad. And it was actually pretty cool. The night that they had their third anniversary, I got to meet the dad. He was like this old punk rock dude that was personal friends with the Ramones. But he used to, really cool dude, and he used to he used to send. Ben off to school with a $20 bill in one pocket and a switchblade in the other and basically said, hey, look, you get confronted, somebody wants to take your money, it's up to you what you want to so do. So what's tougher, Queens or Brooklyn? I don't know. But I want to say also, being here in Brooklyn, we're, we're in Bushwick, Brooklyn, at Roberta's. Check out harrysradio.org. I love we're like the, the border of Queens and Ridgewood, Queens. And we've got people coming here from all over the world. We've got Mateus Richter tonight from Bayerische Bahnhof. And what's so cool about this show and, and what's you going on? You it sound <laughs> Irish. It is Bayerische Bahnhof. We're going we're gonna to have guys collaborating. I think from this we're going to have uh, Rich from Bridge and Tunnel and Sam and Matt. I think next thing you know with uh, Mateus, what are they going to do? Are they going to go up to OEC Brewery in Oxford, Connecticut, and make a Brooklyn Queens Berlin advice or something. Yeah. What do you think, John? I think we'll get it in the schedule. We're going to work on that because that's that's one of the coolest things that's happened is that we're here in Brooklyn on the border of Queens talking about beer every week. We've got a proclamation from the mayor of New York City. We've got Aliyah Akam from Edible Queens, who's awesome. Rachel Wharton, my hero, who's oh. Edible Brooklyn. we got Sam and Matt, the best new brewery in, in, uh, in Brooklyn. And uh, Sam, if you're rich, you're, you're my finest uh, Queens beer maker. All right. I just want Thank the guys Thanks from other half to repeat their beer names one more time. Oh, yeah, one more time. Go for it. Tell <laughs> us the beers you brought tonight. Uh, so we have the Super Fun Session Pale, the Small Green Everything uh, Session IPA, which is a riff on the All Green Everything Imperial IPA, uh, Hop Showers IPA, and Green Diamonds Imperial IPA. And, Richard, what beers did you bring? I brought the 20 Spot and the Switchblade Coffee Cream Ale. <laughs> And uh, the uh, Habanero IPA, which I t- was testing on you guys, but the n- name is possibly going to be a little controversial. Bushwick Burned, something along those lines. I got a story to go you know, with Already that. your name, Bridge and Tunnel, is controversial. I love How it. did you come up with that? Because it's controversial. You're Bridge and, and, and Tunnel. And growing up in Queens, at one time, 
Bridge and Tunnel Kids were kids from Queens, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. We all grew up with that label. And now that it's being reversed, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, like, guys coming up, you know, at the time when I came up, they get a kick out of it because they say, yeah, now, you know, people from Manhattan coming to Queens and Brooklyn, they get hit with that label. But I get a kick out of it. Well, see, Ali, I think you won because you did bring the most authentic Queens brewer who's got a licensed brewery in his garage. And we didn't even hear about how he got that past the zoning. But I would say t- take notice, New York City. You know, a lot of breweries are here, and they want to grow. So let, let's – New York State did it. They streamlined the brewery application process. I think New York City has to create a special, uh, you know, task force to help these breweries not only stay in New York City but grow. Because I want to drink more other half, and you guys sold out of almost all your beer last week, right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, these guys need to grow. Bridge and Tunnels here dying for another brewery. So I'm getting the call from the, the studio over there. i got to cut it off. But thank you so much. We'll be uh, wrapping up tomorrow night at uh, – WNYC is the green space. We'll be doing a beer and a food pairing event. There's also uh, coming up for more of July Goober Month next Tuesday. Anthology Film Archives is the beer film night. We get films from the Happy Hour Guys, Beer Nation TV, Six Point, uh, Rockaway, and uh, Sierra Nevada Beer Camp. There's a lot of things still going on. Of course, Edible's Good Beer event is next Thursday. We're closing out, and we will announce all the new uh, Good Beer Seal Award winners. So we've had some, some great guests on tonight. John Lubbaum, my good buddy. Thanks, John. Good to be here. Rich from Bridge and Tunnel. Right on. Matthias from Bayerische Bahnhof, the Irish-German <laughs> brewery. Aliyah Kam, Matt and Sam from Other Half, Rachel Warden, and our good buddy, John Taggart, the best damn photographer in New York City. Thank you, man. Cheers, guys. Thanks for coming on. We got you back in the studio. So thanks to everybody, our producers. Um, this is a long show, and I'll tell you why. We worked hard today. We're so proud that we're going to go over to Crescent and Vine in Queens. We're going to proclamation from the mayor about July Good Beer Month. It's so awesome. Thanks to our producers, too, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy and engineer Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.